Welcome to Glioblastoma, aka GBM, a podcast brought to you by the Glioblastoma Research Organization, highlighting stories of GBM warriors, caregivers, medical advisors, and more. Join us this season as we connect with members of our incredible community and have meaningful and insightful chats regarding all things glioblastoma. Please note that any information provided on the show is not meant to treat, diagnose, or prevent any disease, and all information that is discussed in our conversation is what worked for the individual themselves and should not be taken as advice. The information provided on this show is not a substitute for professional medical advice, and you should contact your medical provider and healthcare team with any questions. Paola Presta, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Glioblastoma, aka GBM. I am so excited to have you here and be with you in Chicago and talk to you today about your amazing experience in all that you do, but also the experience you had with your mother in regards Mm. to glioblastoma. And I'm excited for everyone to hear your story. Oh, thank you, Amber. I'm so honored to be here talking with you. I am in awe of all the work you continue to do. I admire you. I love you. So just thank you for inviting me. Really, thank thank you you so much. Thank you for being here. Yeah. So, you know, before we get into it, I did a little research on you and I was going to ask, tu parli italiano? Si, parlo un poco italiano. Ah, Si, tu parlo italiano. Parlo un poco. Ah, si, si, scusa. Scusa tutti. Dispiace. Si, mi dispiace, ma. Si, si, zio, tutti sono dell'Italia. A Milano e Calabria. Oh, amazing. Okay, grazie. So I I got into this thing where it was like during COVID, I was like, this is my Italian phase. Yeah. And I only watched Italian Netflix with subtitles and I like fluently learned Italian. Only listened to Italian music and now I like fully understand it. I got everything you said, but I was like, he's Italian. I can say a couple words. I'm so excited. Both my parents uh, were born and raised in Italy and Calabria, the small town, uh, Cosenza, Cerisanu. That's where they're from. My mom and my dad. And we're going there this summer, my husband and I, to see my my mom's sisters and oh everyone. Oh my God, that's yeah, so exciting. Yeah. I was actually also preparing. I was like, what if he says he doesn't speak Italian? <laughs> what are you going to do? I, was gonna, I didn't have a backup, so I'm really glad we just went there. Si, seguro, un si, grazie. There you go. So aside from your incredible Italian, you know, and that experience, I know you also, you are the host of mm. a show, A Spoonful of Paolo. Can you yeah. tell us about that? Oh, thank you. Yeah, um, we started this show, my husband and I, 12 years ago. Um, I grew up watching daytime television. I was a huge Oprah Winfrey fan. Fan. And growing up here in Chicago, I would always go to her taping. And so, like, just like when I moved to LA, I was a part of the Ellen show and I worked on CBS as the talk daytime show. And I came home one day and I said to my husband, You know, can you help me? Like, I really want to have my own like show. And then that day he went upstairs, did the, the, what do you call it? Like, what does it call it? Like the, the logo. He did the mm-hmm. logo and we just started doing it. And it's 12 years later and we've had guests like Oprah Winfrey, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Carol Burnett, uh, Chris Jenner, anyone you could think we've had on our show. And I'm just so grateful and blessed. That's yeah. incredible. Thank and when you. I was like doing research on, on the show as well, yeah. I noticed that in the early 2000s, you kept like constantly emailing Oprah Winfrey <laughs> so about like wanting that? to be on it. No, and I love that because like <laughs> anyone that knows me, I'm very persistent to a point where like people are like amber we had, there was a sponsor for the show um, one mm. of the sponsors i've emailed her at least 50 times wow. and every time i call her and i'm just like hey do you have an update and then now officially they're a sponsor so i'm super excited wow. so i love that that i loved reading that you were very like adamant about oh working with oprah because you know it's like i was like yes like respect like she, i get that she changed my life like i wouldn't be here right now if it wasn't for oprah winfrey she came to my dad's grocery store changed my life got me a, a small role on will and grace that when it was on tv at the time mm-hmm. and um i would write her letters after letters because my dad's dream was to have all seven of his kids in the grocery store business Mm -hmm. and I just knew that that wasn't my calling at that time so I just kept writing her letters and emailing her and then one Thursday morning um, she came to my dad's store and surprised me and it went down as the best reaction 
you know, in the Oprah show, like ever, like that I ever had. I mean, I mean, wouldn't you be surprised if Oprah came to visit you in the suburbs and you're just working and then all of a sudden she comes in there and she's calling your name, Amber, Amber, you'd be like, oh. What went through your head? <laughs> oh my God. I was very emotional because all my family was there. My mom, my dad, all my siblings, some of the nieces and nephews. And I'm like, what is she doing here? I mean, yes, I wrote her letters, but I don't remember what I wrote because I was just like in awe of having her presence in my dad's store. Mm -hmm. And I just went crazy. And I was like, oh my God, I knew she was there to give me some good news. I didn't know what, because mm -hmm. I'm like, she ain't going to come all the way down to the suburbs and tell you something. Mm -hmm. But I was just overjoyed and I knew there was going to be life changing. And, you know, when she came there, it literally changed my life because then I moved to LA and that's where I came out and, and all that stuff. So it was just great. And here yeah. you are today. And here I am with like you. 12, but no, not even just 12 years of having an incredible <gasps> yes. show, but also yes. here with me. And yes. it's so exciting. That's the big thing. Like, okay. Thanks, Oprah. We're here now. <laughs> of course. Of you, we appreciate it. <laughs> what do you feel is the most valuable lesson you've learned throughout your career? Wow. Um, persistence. Mm -hmm. I, you know, you were saying this earlier. I just, I'm somebody who I believe in myself. I believe in our show. I believe in what I stand for and I will just keep fighting for it. I mean, I can't tell you how many no's I got with celebrities who did want to be in our show with their publicists, mm -hmm. but uh, it didn't stop me from trying to get them. Whatever way tools I use to go around the whoever to get them, I will do it. And I'm telling you, it is one of the hardest things, but persistence kept me going and I will, and that's just a beautiful thing that I have inside of me. Yeah. Transitioning persistence mm. to your experience with glioblastoma. Well, yeah. First, my question is, I'd love for you to share more about your experience with glioblastoma, yeah. but then in relation to that, do you feel like your persistence helped you in any way, shape, or form? Yeah, I didn't even know what glioblastoma was until President Biden would talk about his son who mm -hmm. passed away from it. And then I also knew uh, Megan McCain, who I know was a guest on your show as well, which was such a great interview you did. You. Um, I know that her father passed away from it. So mm -hmm. those two people is like when I started getting information from, but then when it hits your family, it's different. You you still Google things, you still want more answers, you wanna know more things about it. But I think maybe I was the only one in my family and I have a big family who knew what it was just mm -hmm. because I just always knew of them talking about their loved ones who have passed away from it. Um, so it's been this last year and these last two years, it's been a part of my life, you know, just learning about it and understanding it because mm -hmm. it just changes your life. How did you come to learn about your mom's glioblastoma diagnosis? And can you walk everyone through the, I guess, the journey of her being diagnosed yeah. with brain cancer? Yeah, my mom um, was um, 64 when she was diagnosed with glioblastoma. Um, my mom was very healthy. She took good care of herself, went to all her checkups and everything. Um, but one morning she was at Disney World with my brother and his family and my dad, and she was just having a good day. But in that morning she felt a little bit off. And then all of a sudden she was telling my dad, I don't feel good. I don't feel good. Uh, I feel dizzy something. My dad said, let's go, let's, let's sit down, sit down. And then when she sat down, um, she collapsed at Disney World. And um <sighs> She, yeah. And so like she collapsed and then they called the Disney people who were amazing. They called the ambulance helicopter. They flew my mom to Orlando hospital and then they did brain surgery and she had so much blood in her brain. So they had to take that out. Mm -hmm. um, so she had a stroke. That was it. But then we found out a couple days after that um, she was diagnosed with glioblastoma. Um, my husband and I left to go to Florida that same day she collapsed. And um, it was the scariest flight I've ever been on because you don't know, like, I didn't know what was happening with her, mm -hmm. like what's happening with my mom. But, um, you know, we found out a couple days after that she was diagnosed with that. And it like, we were by the pool, my husband and I waiting. We were just 
talking. I was in the pool. We were just hanging out over there waiting for someone to give us more information. And um, when, yeah, when we found out, it was just, whew, it was the worst news that you can possibly get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Assuming you were very close with your mom. Yeah. My mom and I, like, I mean, my mom was close to all the kids, but I don't know, maybe because I'm different and I'm the gay child. Like, we had a beautiful bond. It was so special. She was, I always say this to everyone, she was my biggest fan. Mm-hmm. Like, she just loved me unconditionally. I use that word all the time when I write about her. Um, the word, you know, unconditionally. She was just so good to me. She protected me. She just was always there for me. She supported me and our web show. Um I saw she was a guest on it as yeah, well. Yeah, she was a guest too. Oh my God, yeah, she was a guest. Um, yeah, it was a couple years back and uh, we flew to Chicago and my mom was so good. Like she makes all her homemade pasta and all that stuff and we had her on our show and I'm telling you, like it was my husband's idea. Like like he said, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. And it was just the, the best thing to have this footage of my mom making pasta like with me. Like, oh yeah, she's just, is, just, was, I don't know, like a remarkable woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It must be special to look on to. I feel like memories of, you know, you guys like cooking together, of her being on the show as well. It must be nice to look back. I mean, I know a couple of weeks ago I found a video of my dad mm. on my phone and I put it on TikTok because mm. like we got into TikTok recently. People just, it, it connects with so many people and it's so interesting to see like how something so personal to you can also be really helpful and like healing and supportive towards yeah. other people as well. Yeah, because it's been about what, five years since your father mm-hmm. passed Five away. years and like a month, like three weeks. That's actually crazy. How is it for you with the grief? Like it's been five years. So is it five years, three months? Like, are you in a better place? Like where you were like a year and two months ago? Because I just, I'm just, I think about me or anyone else who's out there who's grieving. Like, cause I know it's different for all of us. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how are you doing then five years and three months later? It's interesting. I was thinking about this a lot the other day and it's very much like as the years go on, it doesn't get easier. Mm-hmm. Um, because, but it, it becomes kind of like a normal way of living. And a lot of the times I think about my dad, I mean, I think about him hundred, 200 times a day. Like, mm-hmm. it's just always a thought, like I'm wearing a Yukon sweater. He went to Yukon, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's always a part of my life, but it gets to a point where it's not like sad. Mm-hmm. And I used to like be just like really upset. And I had a hard time with grief because like, I like to be in control of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I'm very, very type A. And especially with a glioblastoma diagnosis, you can't control it. And I sort of, you know, over the years, it's just become a part of my life. And I don't think necessarily about all of the sad things and like, oh, I wish my dad was here because I I do. But I think that my mindset more so has changed to thinking about all of the amazing things that I learned from Mm -hmm. him and like talking about UConn and like he's in the Hall of Fame. Like how badass is that? Like super fun stuff. And it becomes more like joyful and it's become less upsetting. Wow. Um, so I, but again, like there's also sad days. You hear a sad song. Like I can't listen to Cake by the Ocean because I'll start yeah. crying. Oh. Like, because he used to dance, you know, it's just, it's really random stuff like that. And I also, I, I think it's also a different circumstance for me because like I, I you know I have the nonprofit now yeah. and like I'm talking about this 80% of my day. Yeah. And so I don't think it's the typical grief experience. But yeah, it's just, I think every day is different and sometimes it's, bad and it sucks and you want to cry and sometimes it's just like you can talk about these amazing memories and experiences and not be upset and you're like wow Mm. like this is just cool and it's like a cool thought to have so I think that's I think right now I'm dealing I I think I'm mad like it's weird because it's like different stages of Mm -hmm. how you feel and I think right now I just I'm kind of angry at this cancer like because my mom was so young she had seven kids she got married so young she was she passed away at 60 she's 60 she passed away at 64 
five. Okay, yeah. my dad passed away at 66, so yeah. similar. And she only had 10 months, so it's just get you get angry, you know, because she like it was this was her time to really enjoy her mm-hmm. life with my dad. Like they they just have such a beautiful marriage, and they did everything together. And she was just the best mother to all seven of us kids. Mm-hmm. And so I just get angry at this glioblastoma. I get angry that it took away so quickly. I get angry that what it did to her, and like the last couple months where it just takes away, you know, the walking and the, the vision. And it's just it's just. It just it it just breaks your heart, you know, but Mm -hmm. that's why I started talking about grief, too, on my social media, which is weird, but I love it because like I never like when people like would post on Facebook, oh, I just lost my mom, you know, through cancer from cancer. I felt bad for them, Mm -hmm. but I have such a different like understanding and I get them now because I'm going through it. Like when you see someone's post, oh, you like it. I'm so sorry. And you forget about it. Mm -hmm. But this was like life changing. So when I when I post a video about grief, it's amazing how many people can relate and write, oh, I've been through this. Mm-hmm. It gets easier. It gets harder. Like you hear everyone's at a different place in their grief. So I don't know. That's why I like posting about it because it makes you feel like you're not alone, mm-hmm. that you're dealing with this. Yeah. yeah. And especially for me, you know, at least with my father, when I was going through his diagnosis like five years ago, I mean, there was one, two, three other organizations, like no mm-hmm. one was in existence. And like, so there was no support groups. There was no Instagram that had it you know, anything, like, like you yeah. said, like you Google glioblastoma and I mentioned it before on the show. That's why the show is called glioblastoma, mm-hmm. AKA GBM. Cause that's the first thing you see on Google, yes. which I thought was kind of cool, yeah. Smart. but it's just like, there's, there's, there's no community or at least there wasn't, you know, we've been trying to change that, but it's just, it's so helpful that to know that other people are going through what you're going through. Yeah. And I think the same way about the whole Facebook, I was like, why are you going to post like something so personal? But then I've realized also through this process is that it's nice to know what people are going through because then you can kind of connect on certain levels yeah. and to understand like you're literally not alone. Like there's millions of people dealing with the exact same thing yeah. and it all sucks, but it's nice. Like it's nice that you're not by yourself. Yeah. And sure. it's weird because I remember, I think I saw a video you did that when you went through this, like nobody knew what you were, like nobody understood what you were going through because nobody knew what glioblastoma was. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even me five years later with my mom, it's weird because I knew somewhat about it, but a lot of people don't even know what it is. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of my friends, like a lot of people were like, like Googling it, like, and then they would get scared and they didn't, they didn't know what to say to me. Some didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. It's just, everybody's at a different place, but it, it could be scary, but there's resources out there. You just have to find them like you guys that are just amazing. Like yeah. I love what you guys do on Wednesdays when you share yeah. people's stories. Like, I mean, you did that with my mom. You shared your mom's story. Yeah, I yeah. remember it was so beautiful and um, it's just it gives people hope and it lets people know that you're not alone, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. What was your, the personal relationships like in your life when you were going through your mom's journey? Did like, were your friends there? I mean, how, how did it, you know, were yeah, people supportive? Um, I like, like growing up, I was, you know, in, in special ed because my, my brother and I, we didn't speak English. We spoke Italian. So they put us in special ed. So it kind of put me back. And in here I am asking if you speak Italian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> No, I don't. Tutto bene. No, tutto bene. See, no, no. Um, yeah, so we were in special ed. And um, so I, I had a, I didn't have that many friends growing up. It wasn't until I kind of went to college that my life changed. But throughout all the stuff that I went through in school and trying to get placed out of school and a teacher incident that happened, like, I just like having these flashbacks and remembering that she was always there for me. Like, like everything that I've been through as a kid, as an adult, she just protected me. She protected me from those who didn't accept me. She protected me from the teacher. She protected me, you know, just from people who didn't like what I did. Like she always like stood up for me. And I think that's what I miss the most about her. But, um, 
sorry, she was just my best friend. She was everything, you know, because mm-hmm. I didn't really start my life social, like going out and stuff with friends until I was in college. Mm-hmm. But yeah, through all of that, she was there. She was there for me. And when she was going through her diagnosis, who did you find that you could lean on through support? Oh, my husband. Okay. Yeah. Shout out husband. <laughs> yeah, who's here? <laughs> um, like, I've learned so much from him. Like... I, I mean, I've, I said this to him, I say this to him all the time. I know that I wouldn't be here today if he wasn't next to me mm-hmm. because losing a mother is the hardest thing, especially when you're so close with that person. Like I remember Whoopi Goldberg, not to drop a name, but when we interviewed her, she said like, and it's true, like it's the first person who you touch, who gives birth to you, who holds you, hugs you, feeds you. It's like, it's that first person. So that bond is already there. And then the bond that my mother and I had was so special. So Mm -hmm. it's just on top of that layer, another layer and another layer. But my husband gave me notes. He convinced me to see a therapist, a couple therapists, um, because sometimes when you're grie- when you're grieving someone, you just it's just everything is so dark. It's so dark inside, you know. But he was there and he guided me. He reminds me and he he'll tell me to invite my mom into the room, into the space, or when I'm cooking, invite my mom and you know. And it's it's just it's beautiful. I'm so grateful and blessed to have him. Well, I'm also very happy that you're here. Thank you. Do you feel like during the initial stages of your mom's GBM journey, were you so were you active about it on social media? Like, were you publicly sharing what you were going through, or did you sort yes. of decide to wait? Not in the beginning. In the beginning, I was confused what was happening with her. Like when we were in Florida for almost uh, like a month or three and a half weeks, we were there. My husband and I. Our my goal was. I was asking people to pray for my mom or mm-hmm. keep her in your thoughts. I wasn't really open about what she had because we were confused. Um, But my goal was to be with my mom next to her and also take care of my dad because, you know, today my dad is 79 years old and it's like for all of us kids, it's so hard. But for him, it's the hardest because he feels alone. Um, So those are my goals was taking care of my mom and my dad. But then I think once we got back to Chicago and my mom went straight to rehabilitation place over here, like then I started opening up a little bit more in social media, you know, about my mom and the process and like, and just asking for prayers because, like, none of us want to lose our mom. You know, even if you know what glioblastoma is, like, you you know what could happen, what what will happen, but just because when you love someone so much, you don't want that person to physically. For leave. sure. Yeah. What made you want to speak out and share your story with you know publicly? Because you do have a platform, so yeah. what? Because it's um, also scary to share it. At first, I was scared when I was asking when I would do a video and asking people for prayers and what I'm what we're going through my family and I. But then when I saw more people like sharing their story, I'm like they're sharing their story, and then I just became more comfortable sharing my story. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, because it's really and some people don't have to share it. I mean, I understand it, but I just feel like who I am, the platform I have, I just want other people to remind them that they're not alone so by me sharing my story with my mom and what she had it's really helping people out there a lot of people out there for sure were you a caregiver for your mom yes yeah we we all took i have six siblings and um we all we still do the schedule with my dad every day you know, when my mom got sick, when my mom came back here from Florida, we all would, we, at the end of the month, we get on the phone, all the siblings, and we do a schedule. And every day someone was there um, with the caregiver. They had a caregiver, my dad, but us kids wanted to be there and help with the medicine and all that stuff. 
And in some days I would just go there even when I w was in my day just to be with her. You know, they lived in the suburb. They live in the suburbs. It's like 45 minutes from here. But we would go there, Patrick and I, and I would just sit next to her. Um, she was always in a wheelchair, which was weird because my mom was someone who would always walk around and do things. So it just was so hard to see her in this wheelchair. Mm -hmm. But I would just always just be next to her. I would not go on social media. I would just be present. And I would just always like, I had this thing with just playing with her hair. And we'd be watching like Dancing with the Stars or American Idol, even she would always want to watch like episodes of interviews that I did. And I would just be sitting next to her. And I just, I just was holding that in those moments that were so sacred. Absolutely. Aside from that, what was the experience like being a caregiver? Like were you, I mean, obviously it's super overwhelming and it's, it's difficult, but how did you, you know, manage and what did you end up doing every day? It, it was, it, it, it could be, it, yes, it's very challenging because it's hard to be a caregiver for someone you love so much and you, you're seeing them in this pain, discomfort, this not knowing what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So that was hard because it was my mom, but it was beautiful being a caregiver because I would do it all over again because I loved being with her. You know, I love seeing her. I love just being next to her. So it's like you get the best of both worlds. But when it's someone you love, I and I know a lot of people will feel like this, you'll just do whatever you can to be with that person. And for me, because it was my mom, I would do it all over again. Um, and it wasn't easy. You know, it wasn't easy because, you know, my dad was stressed. You know, he, I mean, my dad was with her 24 hours a day. He slept next to her. He stayed in a tiny room when they had a quarantine in the hospital here in Chicago. He stayed with her, couldn't get out of that room for two weeks. Like, I just, I get that love and admiration for my father, but I would do it all over again. So being a caregiver was a gift, but it was also hard because it's someone that I love. What do you think you've learned from having seen your parents together until your mother passed away? Because it's obviously, you know, it's very rare nowadays for, you know, divorce is just so common. Like at least my parents as well, like my parents were together when my dad passed away. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's, it's pretty uncommon. Um, yeah. And now, and obviously, like, I think I personally learned a lot. It's just you see you're kind of there like till death do you part when you make these like marital vows. Like what was that like for you to see that your dad was just there. It, I tell this to my husband all the time. I, you know, I have a lot of friends with their parents, but I've never, and it's not just because it's my parents, I've never seen a couple as beautiful, dedicated, the love for each other, the way my dad took care of my mom. Like, my dad is not very young, you know, like his, he married my mom. He was 20, uh, he was 27. My mom was 16 when they got married in Italy. So my dad's dream was to always, my mom was going to take care of him when he gets old. So now my dad's world has, it's been reversed. It's mm -hmm. been like, it's the opposite, but seeing how much he cared for her and the love and the sacrifice and just being there, oh, it was just the most beautiful thing. Like I will just images during the most difficult time of our life, there were still some beautiful images and just some photos that I took. Like I posted on my TikTok a dance that my mom and dad, it was the first time my mom danced. I had um, Ed Sheeran's song, my mom loves him. And my dad said, Marilyn, that's her name, Marilena. Marilyn, get up, get up. You know, I hold you, we, we dance. And um, I was recording it and my husband was on the other side recording it. And they were dancing. It was the first time that they were dancing. Like her steps, they were really small, but it was so beautiful in the response that we I got in the video overwhelming because it's you you can feel and see the love with mm -hmm. my parents it was just I'll never forget it yeah are you and your dad closer do you think since your mom passed away 
Yeah, it's weird. I, it's it's God. It's like you're inside my in our car. I was talking to my husband about this. Like my dad and I. So that's actually how we thought of the questions. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't send them to you before the that's interview. Why I didn't get your questions. Okay, you sent it to him. <laughs> um, like growing up, my dad and I. Like I have two other brothers and amazing they were more in my dad's like footsteps like working at the grocery store like they do everything my, with my dad they do the gardening they're like more man type um i'm not like that so my dad and i weren't really that close at that time like he the best father no like just no questions asked but i just didn't have that relationship that i did with my mom but now like because we're you know we still do the schedule we're all with my dad like i'm with my dad tomorrow and um i love being with him like when i came out to him was one of the hardest things I did, but my husband told me, you have to come out not for your father, but for yourself, mm -hmm. and I did that. But when I came out to him, like, like my life changed with him. It's like he got to know me, the real me, that I wasn't hiding me being my authentic self. Mm -hmm. And um, our relationship is so beautiful. Like, yeah, like it, it, it's sad that it, my mom's not here, but it's like it's like maybe she made this all happen. Like our relationship with my dad is so beautiful, so special. Like, and we we were watching my interview with Whoopi Goldberg like a couple months ago, and it's like I would always do this with my mom, but like now for the first time watching that an interview with my dad, who was very proud of me too. So it's like mm -hmm. it's just we're in a such a beautiful place, and I love taking care of him. That's great. That's really special, and it's nice that you're able to share these moments that you had with your own because it kind of yeah. keeps like her legacy alive in a way. It's like 100%. you get to do this with another parent. That, and the you know. Italian people, like Italian family, like they're very close and my, like we're so close, my siblings and I sometimes we're too close, <laughs> but like we're so close and my mom had all her like goodies, specialty goodies and she took care of my dad with her food. So I try to do that. I mean, I'm not like my mom, but like tomorrow I'm making um, occhiette with um, broccoli. So I'm like, my mom used to make that. This is a different recipe, but mm -hmm. hopefully my dad will like it. <laughs> Kind of leading into my next question, what is yeah. the favorite recipe your mom ever made? Oh, oh my God. Um, there's a lot. It's hard to pinpoint it, but my mom just always made a good sauce, mm -hmm. like with her pasta. Um, and okay, she so made. So, what's the recipe I'm taking? Notes. Oh, um, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. But it's going great, by the way. But yeah. But another thing that she. There, there's a lot of things that they made in Southern Italy that she learned on her own and she makes them so good. Like they're called scalettes, which she would make during Christmas. They're just like these beautiful Italian cookies. And then, like, first, you make guderidis. It's like this round bread thing that she, it, it takes her all day to make it. But uh, no one, like, from any of my relatives, and they all know this, so I'm not putting anyone down, but they <laughs> know that my mom prepared it so perfect. It looked so beautiful, you know? So she did a lot of Italian specialty that, like, I cannot make. I mean, I'll try, but I just fail. But it's, she was just so good at that. So I do miss all that that she would make. What do you think is like one, I know obviously this is a very loaded question, but yeah. like one favorite lesson, whether it's, you know, food related or not that you've, you know, learned from your mom that you feel like you take with you day to day? Um, I think just seeing how she, like how, like how she came to this country as a young girl and what she sacrificed and then she tried so hard and she did it so successfully like and who she is and how she would dress up and sometimes my relative you know people i won't i won't name names but some people are like oh she's wearing a sequin dress she's gonna go to hell like what are you talking about like <laughs> like she was just like she just looked so beautiful and she felt so good about herself so i think i i, I the i think more than the food is just me being my authentic self me able like i'm able to be who i am is because of her like i see this woman who is so strong and so beautiful yeah so i get that from her <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I miss her.
I wish there wasn't a table here. I would give you a hug and walk all the way around. <laughs> yeah, so I just miss her so much. But yeah, she she just reminded me of that. Like, like even coming out and all that, like she just stood up for me with some people who didn't accept me. You know, growing up Catholic is not easy mm-hmm. when you're, this is who you are. And my parents go to church every Sunday. Every Sunday they go to church. But my mom knew this is who I was, that I was born like this. And she, uh, it's just like, and my parents, growing up in a town where there's like only 50 people in the small town in Italy, they didn't know anyone like, like they, or they didn't, nobody talked about it or mm-hmm. they only knew what they knew. But they've come such a long way. And it's all because of, and I always say it's unconditional love. Like she literally loved me for who I was, what I wanted to do. You know, it's just, it was so beautiful. So I, I got that from her. Biodexa Pharmaceuticals is proud to sponsor the glioblastoma, aka GBM, podcast. Biodexa Pharmaceuticals is a small biotechnology company hoping to make a big difference in the treatment of glioblastoma. Using their proprietary nanotechnology, Biodexa is developing liquid formulations of an investigational drug which can be delivered directly and locally into the tumor via an implanted catheter. This drug has been previously investigated in pediatric patients with brain tumors. Biodexa Pharmaceuticals is currently running a clinical trial in patients with recurrent glioblastoma known as the MAGIC G1 trial. To find out more about the MAGIC trial, visit magictrials.com. Imagine waking up from brain tumor removal surgery knowing that your radiation treatment is already underway. That's how gametile therapy works. At the end of brain tumor removal surgery, the neurosurgeon implants the gametiles where the tumor is most likely to return. So instead of waiting to start daily standard radiation treatments that go for weeks, you get a head start against tumor cells and get back to your life sooner. For operable brain tumors of all types, including glioblastomas, brain metastases, mengenomas, gametile therapy is a one-time targeted radiation treatment with fewer side effects and a far less chance of hair loss than external radiation. Gametile therapy is tough on tumors and easier on patients and caregivers. Learn more at gametile.com. Gametile therapy is an FDA-cleared radiation therapy for patients with newly diagnosed malignant brain tumors and recurrent brain tumors. Novacure is pleased to support the glioblastoma, aka GBM, podcast. Novacure strives to extend survival in some of the most aggressive forms of cancer through the development and commercialization of their innovative therapy called tumor treating fields. Novacure partners with the Glioblastoma Research Organization to work together on behalf of patients and their loved ones impacted by GBM. To learn more, visit Novacure.com. Rune was built by a team of patients, caregivers, and medical experts, consisting of neurosurgeons, neuro-oncologists, psycho-oncologists, radiation oncologists, nurse practitioners, and social workers who have devoted their lives to treating and helping glioblastoma patients. For anyone navigating GBM, Rune offers a wealth of medically vetted digestible video answers to common questions. Answers are organized into major topics ranging from surgery to radiation to caregiver mental health. Check it out at rune.com. Is there something that you would tell yourself now looking back today if this was like day one of your mom being diagnosed? Oof. That you're going to get through it? Because I think it was always, even in the good days, I thought about the bad days. Like Mm -hmm. during the summer, I always think like, okay, two years ago now, you know, as we get to the summer, my mom was doing good, like in the summer. But then all of a sudden it's just come to the fall, things were just getting really scary. Um, So I would just tell like him to hang in there and you're going to be okay. Because even in the good days, 
I was thinking, okay, but I know what this disease, I know what this is, and I know where this is going to go. But I try, I just, like, my husband always remind me to be present mm -hmm. and take in these good days. Because if I'm already worried about what's at the end, then I'm not really living in that moment. So I would just be there. And when she's smiling, I would take that in. When she would say, let's watch American Idol, I would take that in. When she would ask me a question or my mom's a talker. Like, so when she would tell me a five minute story, I would say, keep talking. Like before she got sick, I'd be like, mom, like it's a long story. Like, okay, mom, mom, stop there. But now I, when she was sick, I would always be like inside my mind, just keep talking, keep talking. Cause I know what's, what, where this is gonna lead to, but that moment, there were so many beautiful moments in the darkest moment, you know? Mm -hmm. Do you find that during your journey with glioblastoma, did you, because obviously you, you, you continued to have your show, yeah. did you find it difficult to continue staying on camera while going through this in a personal matter? A hundred percent. I remember we were interviewing the cast of this TV show. I think it was uh, Younger. And it was right when my mom, we just got back from um, Florida and they were the first interview I did. And it was a group of people, it was like six, six of them. And I remember how hard it was thinking, wow, I have to go do an interview, but my mom has this, has glioblastoma. Like, what am I, like, what? then I have to put up a smile and ask these questions and engage with them. And it's like, it's really hard. But I did it for my mom and I did it for me because I know that I have to be strong. And if I'm not strong, then how am I going to be able to take care of her? Mm -hmm. So I didn't do a lot of the episodes during the time my mom was sick. I did really people I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But um, it was hard, but I did it for her and I did it for me because I needed something to do to keep my to keep me sane to keep me like sure. alive because it's if I hard. didn't do that then what would I have done then I needed like an escape to go to even as hard as it was because like mm -hmm. when you're doing it, people who don't, who don't follow me on social media they just saw this interview on YouTube and go oh my god this kid's so funny oh my god he's so blah blah but they I'm like they probably would have no idea like underneath this mm -hmm. is somebody who's like really just a mess and emotional and sad and scared but yeah the, the show kept me going yeah that's why I think it's so important also to be like very open on social media or not necessarily you know that open but yeah. as open as you want to be because it's like this high it's like highlight reel of everyone's life yeah. and everything is all smiley and fake and like edited and it's just like that's not reality even yeah. like for me like my personal social media I have a hundred people on it like yeah. I post like just whatever I feel like and yeah. it's just you know it's those a hundred people or you know give or take a few it's people that like know who I am and like yep. know my story and I don't have to pretend to put on this show for a lot of people whereas if you know, you're someone on the outside looking in, you can be like, okay, like Amber is this person that has this organization that does all these things, but like, I've got bad days too. Yeah. And I think it's just so important to be like authentic and just social media is like, it's like the worst and it's the best thing ever. Yeah. Cause it's like, you can share so much. You and could you put can a connect. filter over that, mm -hmm. you know? And, but it's like, when you're being real, that's what they want to see. Like mm -hmm. everybody can do a selfie and smile, but sometimes I do, like I've been sharing stories like yesterday, for International Women Day, like I shared a story about my mom, like when I was in a play in high school called Time Out for Ginger. And I remember like I got the lead role, but I'm like, wait, how am I going to do rehearsal? Thank you. <laughs> it was a really good Tommy Ginger set. She wrote on my Facebook yesterday. Um, but um, like I remember like, OK, now there's going to be a lot of rehearsals, but we were like obligated to work at my dad's grocery store like as kids like after school like my dad said I'll help you pay for your school but you got to work at the store I said okay fine but now I'm like how am I going to work at this store so my mom like said we won't tell your father and I was like uh oh. she goes we'll tell him you're studying after school and I was just Love like that isn't that like it's just like I mean and now if I tell my dad today he won't even care like he knows what I do but mm -hmm. just the times were different back then growing up they were just different my dad he uh, everything we have is because of my father like he's just an, an amazing person mm -hmm. but back then like my mom understood oh my son really 
really wants to do this show, so we'll just tell your father you're studying after school. And they were like, oh, my dad would be like, well, what's he studying? He's there at school at six o'clock in the night. Literature. Yeah, literature, exactly. Right. Math, science, all that <laughs> stuff. You know, you guys don't know. So yeah, like she would always like kind of like do that to protect me because she wanted me to enjoy and do things that she knew that I was good at and that would make me happy. Mm-hmm. Side question, what's your favorite show to watch? Like Broadway or anything oh, related? Oh well, I guess like... And we saw Hamilton, like, with the original cast, like, with the original cast, right? Yeah, like, we saw, like, a couple times here in Chicago, but we saw it in New York, which I wouldn't even tell you how much my husband spent on those tickets. But it's just... I saw it once, and I think unpopular opinion... <gasps> I, I, no, don't get me wrong. I'm okay. gonna start off. Here we go. Hamilton's great. <laughs> Debate. But it's hard for me to keep up with the storyline, because yes. the whole thing is a wrap. Yes. And so I found that I couldn't understand what was happening, but I thought it was so cool. Look... I was in special ed. I got you. Okay. <laughs> Let me tell you this. But this, my husband prepared me for months. He would play the the soundtrack in our car. Oh, so you knew the whole thing already. So I kind and he would explain to me, he's like, do you know what they said? I'm like, no, I don't understand what they're, I like, I like the music, mm-hmm. but I don't know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. So he would like tell me. So I was, it was like almost going to a class. I was so prepared. Mm-hmm. I knew, cause I'm like, oh, okay, that's Jefferson. I get what mm-hmm. they're doing. I get why they're all like, doesn't matter. They're going beyond the color of the skin, all that. They're just, you're seeing like, it's just this imaginary world, mm-hmm. but he's so good that he prepared me for it. And so I knew it all. So if you have any questions, ask Patrick. I have so many questions. About Patrick, him. get ready. Let's go switch seats. <laughs> no, he doesn't want to be on camera. <laughs> like I'm ready. Yeah. Um, so you'd say Hamilton's your favorite? Oh, uh, I mean, Hamilton, I saw Legally Blonde on Broadway too, which was really cute and funny and mm-hmm. good. Um, wait, we saw something in have Chicago. Have seen Book of Mormon? Yeah, we saw Book of Mormon. Yeah, we saw, we saw that in L.A. In L.A. We saw, I saw that, that in L.A. two days ago. Yes. And I saw that. I thought it was so incredible. I saw it back to back. Yeah. And oh, I was wow. just like, this is the best. And now whenever someone says hello, yeah. just like like my brain is like, hello. <laughs> like in literally the last three days, whenever like I call like my friends, like, hello. And I'm just like, hello. Like my set starts going on a tangent. But yeah, I talk about musicals all day. I saw that in LA. It's so good. Yeah. And I think for a TV show, I mean, I'm a Hillary Duff fan. Like she's been love. on our show five times. I oh, love yeah, her. Oh, yeah, I saw that. That was recent with yeah, her. We, we the went cast last month, the, uh, yeah. How I Met Your Father. Mm-hmm. So we've been watching, binge watching How I Met Your Father. Love it love it so much. Hillary Duff cannot go wrong in anything she does. Mm-hmm. And don't be mean to me, people. So I love her so much. Um, and then, like, then we watch a lot of reality shows because my husband forces me to. Mm-hmm. I love RuPaul Drag Race. We do watch RuPaul, but there's so many other reality shows we don't have to get into, but yes. Do you like to watch cooking shows because of the <gasps> yes. love your mom put you yes. into cooking? Yes, we've been watching the British, uh, what is it, the British? Great British Bake yeah, Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always watch that. My mom and dad would watch that. So yeah, sometimes it's hard to watch it, but sometimes, like one show I can't really watch is American Idol because that was a show that my mom like loved so much. My dad also. Really? We would only watch like the interview, not the interviews, wow. like the auditions. Oh yeah, the And auditions. then it got kind of boring. Yeah, yeah, But it was yeah. just like all like the really you- like, like the really funny, like yeah. people are like, what are you doing on yeah. the show? Yeah, like so when I, like now like, you know, you see the promos now because it's just started again American Idol it's hard because every time I see that you know it's whether it's the music or a show you're always going to think about your 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 loved one your mm-hmm. parent your father your mom and so every, every time I see American Idol like a just a, a commercial of it god it just you know it's like I, mm-hmm. I just can't even go there I think over time as well it's going to start to become less hard and it'll yeah. feel like I told someone the other day it's like it feels like kind of like a hug like yeah. it just feels good to like do these certain things so I think you know, I could see that over time it happens, and I think everyone's like obviously like on their own yeah. brief timeline. Yeah. It does start to feel okay. Yeah, a lot of people. I've been seeing this common thread with people I've interviewed who has who have lost someone. Um, they it's all like they're everybody's been telling me kind of like the first two years are like the most difficult for you the first two years and then after you're gonna find a way like you're you're gonna have your moments for sure but mm-hmm. it's just it's the first two years because it's like each day is a, it gets longer and longer that I haven't heard her voice or mm-hmm. physically have seen her you know so it's just 
guitar, but I, I go to the cemetery mm-hmm. once a week. I would go there to see my mom. And then we have a bench that was put in our park. It was in honor of my mom and it has like a saying on there. So like, you know, like yesterday I went to go sit on the bench and I just try to feel her. And then sometimes you can hear the wind, like the leaves blowing on the tree. There were some dead leaves on this tree right in front of my mom's bench. So when the wind goes, you can just hear the leaves go. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's so beautiful. Do you find that you're, are you very into spirituality or like meditation when it comes yeah. to someone passing away? A hundred percent. I okay. think more in that the last couple of years, especially I just been learning more about it, mm-hmm. but a hundred percent, like just signs that my mom, like we, like there's a specific sign my mom sends me now that I've noticed. Cause I had asked my mom, um, after she passed away, like maybe a couple months after. And I said, mom, can you send me a sign? Please send me a sign. Um, and I was very specific. I said, if you can send me like a bluebird, somehow bluebird, I just, I need to know that you're okay up mm-hmm. there. And then um, two days after my husband, and I went for a walk here, downtown Chicago. And my husband said, I said, no, he said, let's go this way. And I said, no, no, let's go this way to the left. And so we walked around the corner of like the Bloomingdale mall and there was a big display and in that display were all bluebirds really it was all bluebirds and oh my god i love that yeah they were all bluebirds so two comments that one i think it's crazy how also with my father like i have a story about him and like crows and it's like not like a pretty bird or whatever but there's like one crow he used to like walk to my dog down this one street and this crow used to attack him every day Uh and would just like swoop down from the sky literally just like would attack my dad's head I would oh like peck God. at it and would like walk away. And so whenever I see a crow, I think of that. And like, I, well, same thing with like signs and yeah. you know, whatever. So I definitely associate it. But it's also funny because in my interview with Megan and, and, mm. and Jimmy McCain, yeah. um, they talk about how hawks remind them of their dad. Oh, yeah. like everyone's just that. got like a bird. There's so that. many just bird situations also. A good friend of mine also, she was going through like this very hard decision in her life. And she's like mm. looking at this bird on a tree. And she's like, if I should do this decision, like go left. Wow. And, then, and then the bird goes to the left. And she's like, should I do this decision? Like, like testing them. Like, she's like, go to the right. The bird like goes to wow. the right. I feel like birds are nuts. Yeah. And I was specific because I remember interviewing Valerie Bertinelli. And she was telling me when her ex-husband had passed away, you know, he had cancer. Um, she had asked for a sign too. And she wanted to see a flock of birds. So she mm-hmm. She went to her window and all these birds came and that was like in February. So then I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna ask my mom for a sign too, but I want to be more specific. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say just blue birds. Mm-hmm. And then since that day, like I'll like, we go to the, we were in New York when we, we went to go interview um, Hoda Kabi on the Today Show. Like there was a blue bird in what airport was that? LaGoria airport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it was a blue bird there. So it's like all these signs that my mom like gives me and it makes me feel like, oh God, she's there. She's totally mm-hmm. there. I don't know how it works. I don't know how it works, it just, but I'm not. I don't I, even question yeah, it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'll leave that to the scientists or the spiritual people. They can mm-hmm. explain it. But it's like there's just signs of my mom like that she sends to Patrick and I and my other family, my other family members as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just so it's just that knowing that her spirit is there, that mm-hmm. she's still alive. It feels really good. Yeah. Has yeah. your mom like visited you in a dream? No, the only, no, not me. She's visited my dad very quickly and my older sister. For me, she had sent me a color that I had asked her. It was the day before her funeral. And um, I, a friend of mine who lives in Australia, she said, ask your mom for a color and that's going to be your color. So I said, okay, I asked my mom for color. When I went to bed, I didn't realize it until we were at the, my mom's wake because my husband, I was standing next to the color that my mom sent me that mm-hmm. night, which was purple. Mm-hmm. So like, it was just like, so she sent me a sign like that, but not yet. Yeah. Okay. Also, because I'm not a good sleeper, like right. My uh, you like I'm I just you know things have been crazy this last year and it, it's a, two it's months. A lot. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. My dad I, in like five years, he only visited me in a dream once, and I really yeah, it was crazy. I was like in this building that I lived in, like in the time, mm-hmm. um, and 
he was like standing in the corner of this elevator. And again, this is once in five years. This is, this is also like four months ago, like super recent too. Wow. I was like standing in the corner of the elevator and had like this like binder of paperwork. I, the elevator opens and then he's just holding this binder. And I was just like, hello. And then I gave him the biggest hug and it literally felt real. Wow. And I woke up and I was like sobbing. But then also the next thing I was like, let's go to bed. I was like, let's see you. And like, it's never happened again. I was like, fuck. Oh my <laughs> but like, it was crazy. Wow. So yeah, oh I don't gosh. know how any of that stuff works. But like, it was only once too. Like, not wow. even like a figment of my imagination. Like I can't even dream it up if I wanted to. Like it just, it, it wasn't waiting, me. I'm, I'm convinced. I'm waiting so bad because like, I like I always think my, every time I go to bed, I do like a nightly prayer and I pray for my mom and I tell God or the universe, like, Please take good care of my mom, mm-hmm. you know, but, and I always, and like, I think so much about her as I go to bed. So I'm like, okay, this is great. I'm thinking about her. As I close my eyes, I'll have a dream. She'll come to me. And it's, I think, cause I try too hard. I think so it'll I think, happen when you stop. Literally 100%. when I was like, can't wait to go to bed. I like, I was like, okay, I'm ready in bed. And I was like, yeah. I think it was like 9 PM and I was like, let's go. See, <laughs> Didn't I think, yeah, when you're not uh-huh. like prepared for it and you're not trying so hard, mm-hmm. I think that's when they want to come into you. And like, cause one thing somebody, someone said, I think it was my therapist. Yeah. Ther- my therapist said that they come to you when they see that you are happy, when you're having a breakdown or screaming or crying or saying, why me? Why did you, then it's like, it's like, they don't, it's like some reason they don't come near you. But when you're like having a good day and you're talking about them and you're asking to send me a sign, mm-hmm. it's like, they say that they, that's when they come to you. So, you know, that doesn't mean you can't cry, but mm-hmm. just saying that's that's what my therapist like, said. No so can, you can't cry. Everything's gonna be fine. Yeah, everything's gonna be no, fine. No, no, I'm just no, no, no. We're not saying just that. If you're having, don't feel guilty. If you're having a For good sure. day and you're talking about and you're reminiscing about the good old days and what your loved one, you know, you you never know. So yeah. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's been great, and I'm so glad we got to talk about all of these amazing things. I do have a few quick like rapid fire okay. questions before Ooh. we wrap up. Oh my god, I do that to my guests. You're gonna do that to me? I don't. So I will be honest. I'm not sure exactly what you asked your guests, and I don't think we have the same questions. <laughs> we probably don't. But What's it's okay. your favorite color? Oh, okay, um, it's gonna be purple now. Okay, just because that's the color my mom sent me. Yeah. Now to get to my real question. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> no. What would you tell a new caregiver who's about to navigate this journey of glioblastoma? Hmm. I would say just take good care of them and it's going to be okay. Yeah. Okay. And live in the moment. Mm-hmm. What can I do to make office or hospital visits more pleasant? Mm. Just bring some good energy into that room because mm-hmm. for that person who's sick, they're waiting. They're it's like they're depending on you. Like when my mom, even when she couldn't talk in the hospital, she collapsed, and and I would play. So I had a, I still have my phone. Like it's a mom list, and it has all her favorite artists: Celine Dion, Gloria Estefan. And I would play that for her, mm-hmm. and I would always say, "Mom, can you squeeze my hand? Can you hear me?" And she would squeeze That's my hand. That's crazy. I did that to my dad too, See? and he was like, because he like kind of stopped talking. Well, not mm. he, he did stop talking. He didn't kind of stop talking, yeah. and. I was like, so I was going to fly to New York because towards you know, the end of his life, I was oh. like, I went to New York City just because I was like, I want a break from being home. And the day I left, I moved him into hospice before I left. And I was like, mm-hmm. I sat him down and I was like, if you can hear me, like squeeze my hand. And the last finale of the podcast I talked about, if like I read him this like thing that I'd written him, but like that was our only wow. communication. Wow. And it was just crazy. Wow. It's, and I, I think it's so interesting that like, you know, brain cancer obviously affects your brain but like I, I'm fully like you know in belief wow. that like the person is still there you just can't express mm. it like so I think the hand squeezing thing is like a, it's a thing wow it's great it's a, yeah it was a beautiful I, I yeah. always I even have a picture I'll I just I'll, I live with that so yeah. beautiful that's so nice thank you and you know okay so another question what can I expect as my loved one approaches the end of their life oh. I know this is so cliche but you will still move forward. I even, it, you know, with my mom, who was my everything, 
I literally thought that I'm not gonna have any life. My life's gonna be over. But here I am, a year and a month, you know, later, and I'm doing okay. So mm -hmm. I hope that I can be an example for someone who's about to lose their loved one. Mm -hmm. Just know that you're gonna be okay. And when you want to cry, cry. When you want to scream, scream. If you want to pull your spouse's hair, pull their hair, or you know, <laughs> you know, not on camera, <laughs> but yeah. So just, just yeah, know that you're gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. And also something I think I would add to that is like it's when you want to be happy also you yeah. can be happy because I think a lot of people tend to think that like it's wrong there's a guilt to be happy but like you know like at least like with my father like he wouldn't want me to be sad yeah. right and it's it's good to be happy you can grieve and still be happy you can still travel the world or you can you know can, I know my friend you can do all these things my friend who works on NBC he had this event that we went to and it was like really you had to dress up really nice and it was like the first time we went somewhere and I just had this guilt like I'm going to this event my mom passed away a couple months ago what is happening and I had so much guilt but then mm -hmm. my husband would always remind me your mom would want you to be happy mm -hmm. just be you know you can go and have a good time and not feel guilty about it you know and it's just hard you have to do what's right for you but just know you don't have to feel guilty because it's just Right. It just does, it, you don't have to do that. And at least for me, if it helps, I went to Coachella like a week after my see? dad. Wow, see, <laughs> I was people? like, whoops, I'm like, yeah. sorry, dad, I yeah. want to go to Coachella. I and got an artist pass. We're so going. happy for you. He's proud of you. <laughs> and I'm proud of you. Look what you're doing. This Thank is amazing. I made you. a pact that whatever money that I make for my TikTok, I'm donating it to you guys. Mm -hmm. Like, so whatever money, like, you know, when I talk about my mom, it's not about if I get a million views, a thousand views, 100 views, I don't care. Whatever money goes into that account, I said, just for TikTok, you know, it's going to you guys because. Thank you. It, for me, feel, I feel closer to my mom. You know, like if I can help someone else out there who's going through what we, what we went through, mm -hmm. then Makes I just want to the be difference. there. Yeah, it yeah. does. Yeah. Well, Paolo, thank you so much for coming on this thank episode. You. It was so lovely to finally meet you. And I'm Same really here. thankful for you, you know, having been vulnerable and sharing you in your mom's story. I'm just so excited we got to meet. It really is so nice to meet you. And thank I you. think a lot of people will really enjoy hearing this episode. Thank you. You're the best. You're so good at this. Thank, thank you. you for inviting me. And I'm thank so you. proud of you. And I know your dad and my mom are like, they're oh, like, high five and yeah, like, yeah, Look, look, at, at, our, kids, look at our kids. Okay. <laughs> yeah, look at my daughter. Well, look at my son. Mom, it's not about me. This is not. It's about Amber now. Like, Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Mwah. That's it for this week's show. Thank you so much for tuning in again to another episode of Glioblastoma, aka GBM. To get in touch with our organization, visit us online at gbmresearch.org or visit us on Instagram or Facebook at Glioblastoma Research. Visit us on Twitter at glioblastoma.org or visit us on LinkedIn at Glioblastoma Research Organization. To make a donation to the organization, which is fully tax-deductible, visit us online at gbmresearch.org, where you can designate your donation in honor of someone or find other methods that you can make a donation with. Thank you again for supporting us, for supporting the show, and we'll see you next week. Welcome back to another Deep Dive with Stash Strong. Today, let's talk about this episode to kick off our season with Paolo. I think the biggest theme through this was grief. So I'd love to hear your thoughts about how, like, what resonated with you. Yeah. I mean, first off, his story absolutely resonated um, with me, his energy and just his vulnerability. Mm -hmm. um, but as you, you, the two of you were talking through grief, um, he was talking through how he's angry, mm -hmm. which is an absolutely not only real, but acceptable and more than okay way to feel mm -hmm. about GBM. And valid. And valid. <laughs> but he also said, and acknowledge that everyone is facing grief differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest things. I had no idea about grief mm -hmm. until month 25 when I lost my brother. Mm -hmm. And that started for me grief. And, and you could even say it started beforehand because you knew I was going to ask. I feel like sometimes grief does start before. Totally. Even if you're not necessarily thinking about it, I feel like 
there are bits and pieces that kind of like come into play. Yeah, and, and, and again, that for me, it was when I lost my brother, that was the, f- I always thought he w- we weren't gonna lose him, mm-hmm. right? I knew the stats, we were running stats strong, I, mm-hmm. I knew what we were facing. Yeah. But while he was next to me, he was alive. Yeah. And, and as long as we could keep that going and, and true, to me, I, I wasn't processing grief at that point. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I lost my best friend, my brother, right? Yeah. At 30 years old. Um, I handle things differently than even my sister or my mom mm-hmm. or my dad. All of us grieve differently. I think one thing that was really helpful early on for us is to actually talk about that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, Do you guys like talk as a family about it? Um, obviously grief is a, a taboo topic. We keep my brother's name alive in our household. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we share memories. We talk through it. We, we want to make sure we never forget or, or at least not forget, but aren't openly talking about my brother. But I have talked with all of both my parents and my, and my sister. We all are handling this different. Yeah. Right. Stash strong for me has been a huge mode to handle my grief. Doesn't mean it's right for everyone. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think acknowledging even within a family unit, right? The five of us were always so close before GBM. Mm-hmm. And acknowledging as a family that dad, you're gonna f- you're feeling differently than I am at this point. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Right? But talking about it yeah. and understanding how someone else is grieving. And I'm just talking at the family level, let alone then when you start to talk with someone like Paolo, mm-hmm. who is talking about how he's angry mm-hmm. and the two of you have different current grief yeah. statuses, right? But yeah. like that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. It's always interesting when people ask me about my groove because it, it depends on the day. Yeah. And like overall, it's been over five years now. I think the like, anniversary was like a week ago, like literally a week ago from today. And there are some days that I'm angry, some days that I'm sad, but a lot of days it's kind of just become a part of life. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important for people to understand that grief comes in waves and there's always going to be different triggers and things that bring it up, but there is no right or wrong way to handle it. Like everyone is totally valid in however they feel like dealing with their grief. You know, you know, like you said, Paula mentioned that he was angry at this point in time and then sometimes he gets sad. And like, again, like we literally all go through that. Mm-hmm. And I think what's so important, and I, I like how you mentioned in your family unit that you guys all handle this differently. Did you ever find it difficult to understand how your other family members were handling grief and like relate to it? Never. Um, I would say I was fortunate to understand immediately that everyone handles something differently. Right. And and that's before my brother was sick. That's just something I've always, it's just a a way that I I live. Um, I think it's hard to accept that for a lot of people but you have to get to a point where no one is, I have families all the time, like my, th- this person in my family is treating it differently than this person. I don't know what to do. That's okay. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they have different memories with that person. They have different connections, right? I think Paul, coming to Paul's point, like his connection with his mom is so real. Yeah. Right? Like goosebumps thinking about it. Like I, for an hour, immediately felt how important his mom mm-hmm. was to him, Yeah. right? And it doesn't change the importance of someone with how you grieve, mm-hmm. but that's what you're going through as an individual. So I think it's also important to not get upset mm-hmm. at how others grieve Yeah. because they could get upset at how you grieve, right? Yeah. We're all grieving in a different way, but acknowledging that I think is a really important part for a family to do because a lot of times we bottle this up yeah. Right. And then it gets to a point where maybe it explodes. Like avoid that by talking about it, being open about it. Right. And, and acknowledging that 
we all grieve differently. Yeah. I think it's interesting that he also mentioned how he used to see people post about grief like on Facebook and he would be like, oh, like that's like, like, why are they doing that? Like, I don't understand. And I was exactly the same way. Like I, I'd never understood why people were being so open and vulnerable mm-hmm. to, to the public. And then my dad passed away and I was like, wait, this kind of helps. Yeah. And like, it's good to share. But then I also noticed like when I shared my dad's story, there was someone on my Instagram that had replied like, oh, I lost my mom to glioblastoma actually 10 years ago. Like, thank you for sharing your story. And obviously, you know, that's kind of spiraled into the nonprofit having become into existence Mm -hmm. and then Warrior Wednesday having become into existence. Like, I think just the fact that people are able to share their stories through grief and get this outlet to other people that understand what they're going through is so, so important. And even if people don't understand, there are people that are empathetic and there's people that, you know, lose someone to something else in life and it's just, you know, there is always an end to life at whatever time, you know, everyone is different, but we're not on this universe forever. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to like, you hear these different stories about how people kind of deal with their own grief and understand that it's a part of life and that it's okay and that it's normal and that it should be talked about. Yeah. I think it's a great point, right? Like even just, if you look at my mom and dad, Mm -hmm. my mom lost her sister when she was in her teens Mm -hmm. to leukemia, right? So she now was reliving what her kids were going through oh. because she was a sibling. How my mom processes things, she posts about my brother. Yeah. Right? She has memories, points, a, a dime here, a dime there. Right? Like there's, she's always posting about my brother, and I love it. Mm-hmm. And, and my dad doesn't post; he doesn't even have Facebook. Right? Yeah. But he's pro, that, that's his namesake. Right? Mm-hmm. GJ was George John Gurner the third. Right? Mm-hmm. Like my dad's namesake, and my dad is grieving with it in his way as well. And I think what's important, again, is whether you want to post, whether you don't want to post, whatever you want to do, that's how you're doing it. Mm-hmm. I think what's ultimately one of the hardest things I didn't think about until we started to kind of unwrap this is accepting other people's grief. Yeah. Because you cannot, you cannot get through the day if you're worrying about someone grieving differently. Yeah. Like everyone's on their own path mm-hmm. and it's not up to me how that person over there grieves. Even like your grief process, like it's none of my business. Mm-hmm. Like I'm here to support you as like, you know, a friend that I've met for a couple of years now through obviously unfortunate circumstances. But like, who am I to say that you're grieving wrong? Or who are you to say that I'm grieving mm-hmm. wrong? Like we're, everyone's on their own path. And I think that's totally okay. But I think the important thing is to get the support if you need it, to ask for the support if you need it, and to understand that not everyone is the same, but it's still valid and it's still mm-hmm. like, okay. And every day is going to be different. Every day is different. Well, I'm so excited that we got to kick off the season with, you know, this very, very important topic. So thank you for joining me. And thank you all for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoy the rest of this season as we deep dive with Sass Strong.